0: Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Submission so is
1: just two people that God brings together and that they are shoulder to shoulder. We're going to march through this life together. I got your back, you got my back. You got responsibilities, I got responsibilities. Both are going to be held accountable for what basically for what they've done with their roles when they stand before Jesus. And it's this beautiful like system that God has set up to where he's like, look, Boaz, you're gonna take care of her. You're gonna be a man and you're gonna take care of her because that's what men should do.
0: Submit is a word that has almost become dirty in our day and age. We often think of it when someone is controlling and unreasonable. But Pastor James reminds us today what it really means. It means to sacrifice your own needs for the sake of another to trust someone so much that even if you suppose otherwise, you ascribe to their decision. Men and women are equal in their values, but we all have different strengths. Don't be embarrassed to take a step back and rely on your spouse's conviction. Now here's Pastor James in the Book of Ruth, Chapter 3, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep then ruth quietly uncovered his feet and lay down around midnight boaz suddenly woke up and turned over he was surprised to find a woman laying at his feet who are you he asked of course he is right because again even in this time period where you know maybe these things did happen they weren't like super common I mean, you don't just go to sleep after a hard day's of labor and work, and you got a full stomach, and then you're awakened to, only to discover that somebody is somebody is sleeping at my feet. Like that's a, a shocking kind of you know development within your you know. It's going to get the heart going a little bit. You know, you're not not knowing what's going on. He doesn't even know who it is because, well, you can't really see. I experience this every single night, except it's not Ruth. It's my dog, and his name is Bear. And he is evil, okay? That's all I'm going to say. He's not my dog, of course. He's not mine. He belongs to my daughter, Emery. Every night, this is like clockwork. Sometimes 12.30, sometimes 1.30, sometimes 3. He's on this, my side of the bed. He's black, all black, Pomeranian, right? And I turn over, and there's his face staring at me. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm i the only one out of a family of six that can let this guy outside. I don't know why he only it just comes to me. It's because he wants me out of the bed so he can steal my spot. That's how it works. If you've got animals, you understand that they're smarter than what we realize, I think. And uh yeah, it's a jolting experience to turn around and be like, ah, there's two eyeballs looking at me. My kids have done it to me even in the past before as well. You know, They just know how to like, and it's just, it's just always creepy, right? Somebody's staring at you, and you're like, what? I could imagine, midnight, maybe moving your feet around a little bit, and you're like, there's a body down there. Like, what is going on? Who is sleeping so close to me? And that's what he asked. He's like, um. Who are you? Who is that? I'm your servant, Ruth. I'm your servant, Ruth. It's beautiful. I'm your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you're my family redeemer. You're my kinsman redeemer. Like, she gets it. The story of redemption played out through family dynamics and all that stuff. Ruth gets it. She's like, bring me under your covering. Bring me under your protection. I want to align myself underneath you. You're my kinsman redeemer. The statement that she made to Naomi in chapter one, please understand, she is making to Boaz as well. Wherever you go, I will go. You're God. Will be my God now she's already made that commitment to God personally in in one sense she's making that same commitment, but to a greater extent to Boaz in this moment. not just like, "Hey, I'm cold, give me some of your blanket no that's not it at all. she's like, "I am placing myself under your protection and it's a beautiful thing, man, what a beautiful image this is, and this is why like Ruth is such a classic like wedding kind of like sermon. Scripture usage and all that good stuff. Ruth just kind of recognizing that, man, Boaz, you're the guy. You're the guy, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you, and I trust. I'm going to trust you with my life. That you're going to provide for me. That you're going to protect me. That you're going to watch over me. I and mean, it's not like a, you know, the whole submission thing. Especially nowadays, it's all just twisted and backwards. It really is a beautiful concept that it that our world is just totally just messed up. Totally messed up. And, and yeah, I know that the, the church bears some responsibility there, right? Because sometimes you get jerks who are like, you know, want to be domineering and all that stuff. That's not what it's talking about. It's not like, I'm in charge, you do what I say, and that's how it goes. That's not submission. That's not a, that's not a good biblical definition of that or example of it. Submission is just two people that God brings together and that they are shoulder to shoulder, we're going to march through this life together, I got your back, you got my back. You got responsibilities, I got responsibilities. Both are going to be held accountable for what, basically for what they've done with their roles when they stand before Jesus. And it's this beautiful like system that God has set up to where he's like, look, Boaz, you're going to take care of her. You're going to be a man. and You're going to take care of her, because that's what men should do. Men should be men. And there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. We need more men. We need more men like Boaz, especially within the church, that are willing to step up. And I'm going to lead. And I'm going to be a good boss. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to watch out for the needs of others. We're supposed to take care of widows and orphans? Sweet, sign me up. I'm the first one to sign up. That's a good godly man. That's how it should be in church. Should, that's how it should be in church. This is how Boaz lived his life. Oh, so the rule is. I own fields, and I have wheat, and I have barley, and the law says that I'm supposed to allow widows and foreigners to be able to come through my land and take the food that we're not supposed to harvest at all. We're supposed to cut corners, so to speak, and let them harvest it. Awesome. I'm going to do that. And Boaz is a guy who's like, I'm going to go above and beyond what the law says, and I'm going to tell Ruth, hey, you take as much as you want. That's a godly man. That's what the church is in desperate need of. And I say church, capital C, church. Globally, the church is in desperate need of Boaz to go above and beyond what the expectation is, to go above and beyond what the law says, to be the one who's like, wait, the word actually says this, that we're supposed to be doing this? Sweet. Sign me up. Sign me up. I'm the first one to sign up. I'll do it. That's what we need. That's who Boaz was. Tremendous man. And now he's got Ruth at his feet. And she's like, look, I am devoting myself to you. I am committing my life to you. And he's just humbled. The guy's just humbled. He's not like, yeah, I kind of figured that, right? Like puffed up his chest. you know. He's like, yeah, I'm hard to resist, right? Like, you know, all the ladies know me in this town. And yeah, I'm, I'm wealthy and all that. He's not even, not even. Look at his his response to her. Verse 10 The Lord bless you, my daughter. Boaz exclaims You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now, don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary. For everyone in town knows what you're a virtuous woman. I love it. Awesome. What a dude. What a guy. <laughs> like, what a guy. Again, my respect and, and you know the ranking of, of biblical heroes. Ruth is like skyrocketing, but Boaz is just right there skyrocketing with her. And you know, there's not a there's not that much that's known about him in one sense. I mean, you got four chapters that talk about him, and we know he's the great grandfather of King David. But man, you look at this dude and his character, who's just a hard working man who loved his employees, he took care of his employees, he loved Ruth, he loved the Lord, and that tops them all. And you look at how he greets her with how he, the same way he greets his employees. He's like, may the Lord, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. I think that's just probably how he greeted everybody. You came in contact, if you ran into Boaz on the street, I'm sure he would have said, hey, the Lord bless you. What a great greeting. Might be a good thing to start incorporating into our greetings. How messed up would that make some of your friends or coworkers? You know, like, hey, how's it going? Hey, the Lord bless you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, what? 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 Yeah, the Lord bless you. Why? Well, I don't even know if I believe in the Lord. Huh? Well, but you're blessed by Him. You can't deny that. You're blessed by him, right? You're alive, aren't you? Okay, the Lord is blessing you. The Lord bless you. I just think it it just is an an outflow of his his character. I think it's an outflow of his relationship. We don't know what his devotional life was like. But I think, I think, it's all speculative. I think some of his devotional life probably rubbed off on his great grandson, David, who spent time in the fields. Who spent time outside, just always in awe and amazement of who God is. Was David's dad like that? We don't know. We don't know. But I got a feeling his great grandpa was. And I think maybe a little bit of that rubbed off onto David. We don't know anything. We don't, I just, when you see little things like this in the Bible, it's always indications that there's something going on deeper below the surface. Because from the heart, there's this outflow that's there. And I think this is all connected, his greeting to his workers and then his greeting to Ruth and how he, how he interacted with them, how he interacted with her. I think it was just an overflowing, an outflowing of his relationship with, with God. It's just what comes out think naturally, like, or I should say supernaturally, it's just what flows out of them. And I would hope the same is said about me. And I know at times it's not. And I'm sure Boaz had his good days and his bad days, just like we all do, right? But here he is. May the Lord bless you, my daughter. He's just in awe. He's just absolutely just floored by her devotion to, to his family, to his family your loyalty. He's like, you just, you just don't even know. He's like, you could be going after a younger guy. We don't know how old Boaz is. I don't know how old he is. I don't even know if there's, I'm sure there's speculations. We could do like a Google search. It's going to show up as like an old man all the time, which I don't know if is completely accurate, right? But we know she is obviously probably younger than he is. Because he says right here, you could have gone after a younger man, but you chose me. But you chose me. And for him, that, like, that speaks volume in and of itself. Like, Ruth, you actually want me? You're picking me. And he's humbled by that. He's amazed by that. And Ruth could be like, I can't believe you're picking me, a Moabitess, an enemy of Israel. You know my family history, right? Yeah, we started with Lot and his daughter. Gross, OK? Genesis 19, I believe, right? Yeah,, no, no, don't even look at our family tree because it's just like one stump, right? <laughs> like, this, no, it's gross. Like, yeah, no, no ancestry DNA on this one, OK? She's like, my family's been messed up for years. Well, you're picking me? And that's a beautiful thing when it works, when it, when it plays out like that. I can't believe you picked me. I can't believe you picked me. And he he confirms to her he's like, "Look, I'm going to do whatever's necessary uh, and he also he also tells her basically what everybody thinks about her. everybody knows you're a virtuous woman, everybody knows you're a virtuous woman now there's some questions here about like wait so she's like showing up and sleeping at his feet and all this stuff. And it seems like it's done in secrecy and all this. So is this, like, scandalous? It's not scandalous, okay. Now, I believe Boaz is somewhat protecting Ruth in one sense because he's going to be like, they have this arrangement to where it's like, hey, listen, you're probably going to need to take off, right? Like, once the sun comes up, you're probably going to want to get out of here and all that good stuff, maybe to protect her reputation or to make sure there's no, like, Gossip, gossip happens oh, all the time, right? But he, he wants to protect Ruth. And what I, what I understand from that, to a certain degree, is almost like a Joseph and Mary situation, where Joseph was super protective of Mary, right? When they found out, she's pregnant. She's pregnant with the Son of God, right? And Joseph was like, it wasn't me. I know it wasn't me, but everybody's going to talk like it's me. And so he wanted to do the honorable thing in that situation. I think Boaz is, uh, within, this, within this little scenario, I think, you know, because Ruth is going to rush off and while it's still dark. And I think, uh, in one sense, Boaz is making sure that Ruth and her, her integrity and all that stuff, it's just protected. And he, he is demonstrating, in one sense, that don't worry, I got you. I, I got you. I'm going to watch out for you. Uh, and he's always had her best interest in mind. But it, verse 12, it says, but while it's true that I am one of your family, there's a little bit of a dilemma here. Uh, your family redeemers, there is another man more closely related to you than I. Stay here tonight in the morning, I will talk to him if he is willing to redeem you very well. let him marry you. but if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now I lie down here until morning okay so he 's like, now there's somebody who's a little closer related to you than I am i don't have first dibs I don't have first dibs and you know, if this guy's willing to marry you, then my recommendation is that you is that you marry him. Please don't, please no, no, right? Like, he's like, oh, no, like, positive thoughts, like, all this stuff, right? No, he's just, he's like, and he's, you know, fingers are crossed, like, please, no, no, no. But this is the honorable thing to do. Because he could have been like, yeah, let's get married right now. <laughs> you know, like, sweet. Well, he doesn't know it won't hurt him, right? You know, it's better ask for forgiveness than permission, you know, all that good stuff, right? Like, no, he's like, This is the way it works. This is the way it works. Now, look at um, Deuteronomy chapter 25. This is the um, Leverite marriage. Um, This is what was put into place, Okay, Two brothers are living together on the same property, and one of them dies without a son. Uh, This is Deuteronomy 5, verse 6. uh, But it actually goes from 5 to 10. Um, If if they're living together uh, on the same property, one dies without a son, his widow may not be married to anyone from outside the family. OK? Instead, her husband's brother should marry her uh, and have intercourse with her. Oh, no. Um, and with her to fulfill the duties of her brother-in-law. So she, he, she should bear a child. Okay, The first son she bears to him will be considered the son of the dead brother, so that his name will not be forgotten in Israel. So this is the Leverite marriage way that they have this worked out, OK? So that the family name can continue. So his name can kind of continue on. This is already put into place, right? Deuteronomy 25, technically, verses 5 through 10. Because the rest of it says this. Now, if this guy says no, OK, then the lady goes to the leading men of the town and says, hey, I want to marry this guy. I want to have some babies. And this guy's telling me no. And so they get him, and they say, why aren't you going to marry her? This the word says you got to marry her. Why don't you want to do that? Well, I don't want to do it. OK, so she comes, takes his shoe off of his foot, and spits in his face and says, This is what he needs to be known as, the guy who doesn't want to obey God, the guy who doesn't want to follow through with this, the guy who doesn't love his brother, the guy that doesn't care about his family line. That's how it ends, (laughs) right? So it's like, I left out those other verses because I figured I could summarize it for you, but you get it. Like, the Lord took this thing seriously. And in fact, uh, later on in the Gospels, the Pharisees would be like, hey, wait, so if this guy... Dies and he married this lady, but so he died, and then the next brother married that lady, then he died, and then the next guy, and then the next guy. Who? We, what family are we dealing with here? How many brothers are there? But like, whose husband or who will she be? Whose wife will she be in heaven? God's, Jesus Jesus, like, um, you guys are experts on the law. Like, there's no marrying in heaven. She's not married to any of them. They're like, hmm, <laughs> yeah, go back and read your Bible. This is what Jesus would say. Like, no, 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 you miss it. But they kind of got that from this, OK? Here's the scenario. This is the setup according to the law. Now, Boaz is going to honor that. And he's going to go approach his family member and see if he wants to, to marry Ruth. Let's finish this out. I, I do love, I don't want to skip past it, I do love the fact that the enthusiasm behind Boaz, where he's like, look, This guy doesn't, if he doesn't want it, he's like, I promise. Like, you you start planning the wedding now. It's basically what he's telling her. He's like, listen, break out your bridal magazines. Like, go ahead and start planning it now, because it's going to happen, right? That's Boaz. This is what Boaz is saying. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet, verse 14, until the morning. But she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz uh, had said, no one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. And he measured six scoops or measures of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. And then he returned to the town. So um, New Living Translation doesn't tell you, but this is 60 pounds of barley. Again, I'm impressed by Ruth. I'm like, my goodness. like no, She hauled off 30 pounds of barley before. Now he's like, she doubled it up. Boaz has doubled up. He's like, 60 pounds, girl, let's see what you got, right? And she's like, oh, you know, it's big thighs. I mean, she's, you know, CrossFit all day, right? I mean, she's just like, I don't know how far away from, you know, where her house is or anything, but she's got 60 pounds of barley that she's walking back to Naomi. I love that. She gathered up on her own 30 pounds of barley. He placed onto her, 60 pounds of barley. Okay, I'm sure there's a lot of spiritual significance behind this. And I will try to do my best to explain this. But let me tell you this. Um, In your relationship with Jesus, you got your system down. You can study the word. You can pull out beautiful blessings, little gems, little nuggets here and there. That's really cool. It's about 30 pounds, I'm sure. But isn't it amazing when you've done nothing in one sense? The Lord's like, hey. Get ready. I'm about to pour something out on you. I got 60 pounds for you. 60 pounds? Like, I could barely handle 30. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know, but you're dealing with me now. And yeah, this is good. 30 pounds, awesome. You did the work. That was incredible. But I can tell you as a teacher, there's the time. You do the work, and then the Holy Spirit shows up, and he's like, that was cool. Hey, look, that was really cute. You know, all your effort and stuff, that's really cool. But now let me pour something out on you. Let me double it up for you. You're like, I can't handle anymore. He does it in our lives, and it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's amazing. Show up. Go in the field. Do the work. Please, get into the field and all that good stuff. What Jesus said, the the harvest is plentiful, right? We need the laborers. Pray for the laborers. Get into the field. Pick up what you can. Do all that good stuff. And then there's times where the Lord would just show up, and he's like, hey, look, I'm just going to dump all this on you, okay? And you're like, I can't take it anymore. And it's a, it's a blessing. I do just find that, that was, that's significant in, in one sense, that he loads her up. Six measures, okay, or six scoops of barley. That's, technically, that's about 60 pounds. He goes to the town to find the kinsman redeemer, the closest one. It says, Ruth went back to her mother-in-law. And Naomi asked, what happened, my daughter? And she's like, uh, do you not see this huge sack of barley? Obviously, it went really well. Okay, No, she's not like that at all. Ruth tells Naomi everything that Boaz had done for her. And she added, he gave me these six scoops of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man, Boaz, the man won't rest until he has settled things today, today. He's a man of his word. And he was like, look. You go take this food back to Naomi. Tell her I said, what's up? And then I'm going to go and find this guy, and we're going to settle this today. We will know today. So she didn't have a lot of time to plan for this wedding, because Boaz was like, uh, oh, it's happening. like It's happening today. We're going to figure this thing out. Just a cool, cool story, amazing story. And again, there's just so much. From the whole story of Ruth, it really is about like Jesus, Israel and the Gentiles, OK? And just how he can bridge the gaps and connect everything. And it's just so, so sweet. Ruth represents the Gentiles. Ruth would represent probably almost all of us in here. Naomi would represent Israel. And Boaz is a representation of Jesus.
2: Oh, the
0: That's all we have time for today at Bread for the Broken. But we're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James continues through the book of Ruth. Ruth and Naomi were both struggling with the loss of people they loved. It's hard to imagine how they got enough strength to make the journey where they'd meet Boaz. But they put their faith in the Lord and found the strength that they needed. If you've ever been in a place like Ruth and Naomi, you know it's easy to lose hope. But be encouraged. God is already making a way for you. Remember to trust him always and do what he asks, even if you can't see how the story will work out. Are you wrestling with believing this truth today? We'd love to connect with you, so visit BreadForTheBroken.com and click on the Contact tab. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more from Pastor James, you can find them when you visit BreadForTheBroken.com and click on the Teachings tab. You'll also be able to learn more about Calvary Galveston at our website, as well as finding our location. Calvary Galveston is a church of ordinary people seeking to live as Jesus did. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. So if you're ever in the Galveston area, we'd love to meet you. Our atmosphere is relaxed, so come as you are. You can find out more and get directions on our website. Thanks for listening to Pastor James's teaching today. Know that we're praying for you, and we hope that you'll join us to continue digging into the book of Ruth. Next time on Bread for the Broken.
2: Let me paint the picture of you.